0: What would you say if I suggested that SMTP is broken? You'd say something like, that's silly, because SMTP is working just fine. Not only is it not broken, it's one of the longest-lived protocols on the internet. And hey, who hasn't had fun telnetting to port 25 and typing out SMTP commands by hand to deliver a message back in the day, am I right? All right, I don't mean SMTP is broken at a protocol level, right? Because it works. It works Maybe a little too well, and that's kind of the point here. It works so well that in the modern internet, in the world of spam, phishing, and so on, SMTP works awfully well, and it's terrible. Let's face it, your inbox is a wasteland of despair. What if we could use something other than SMTP to improve the world of email? Liam Breck has had just such a vision and built some things, namely MM and TMTP. And I'm going to let Liam explain those acronyms for us. Liam, welcome to Heavy Networking. And hey, would you uh, introduce yourself to the nice people listening and then tell us what you built? Hey there, Ethan. Uh,
1: So um, I'm Liam Breck, and um, I consider myself a software designer. Um, I have some experience with um, product management and um, UI, UX, uh, software architecture and engineering. So kind of uh, an entire engineering function or entire engineering organization in in one person, at least for the moment. Um, And I have been doing uh, research on uh, tools and infrastructure for knowledge workers for about the past 15 years, uh, resulting in a sequence of different uh, products and, and prototypes. The most recent uh, of which is the M&M project. So what did I build? So three things, um, TMTP, uh, T stands roughly for trusted, um, is a, a protocol. It is not a drop-in replacement for SMTP. It um, offers a new model for, for email. It is not an instant messaging um, model. It's an asynchronous. A setup.
0: store and forward style of message delivery. Exactly.
1: Yeah, okay. Right. Um, so it doesn't imagine that any that everybody you, you you're talking to is going to see this, you know, instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I built um, client and server implementations of that protocol, which is what I call m M&M, and mm-hmm. And released those for Windows and Mac OS and Linux. Um, and finally, I built a roadmap um, to uh, address the most common use cases uh, of email uh, where we need structured data. So, for instance, by... people commonly send out um, task requests. Um, Hey, I need you to to do this by such and such a time. Here's the list of things to do. Here's some other people to be involved with. Um, That's a structured piece of data. And people commonly send around uh, structured messages which could be processed in an automated way um, to each other um, constantly. So um, email doesn't have any support for that um, present. So that roadmap, means building a whole lot of more stuff but that that's the
0: but you'd have to define pilot. a bunch of different message types so what what we're saying if we just back up a second here tmtp as a protocol would allow us to deliver not just the traditional sort of email message that we think about which has fields like to from and cc and then the message body and then various other metadata much of which is hidden from an email client unless you dig in and look at the raw source but other things that are structured data too, like calendar invites, maybe I'm just, I'm kind of going from the top of my head here, has a bunch of structure to it. And, and you mentioned tasks that can have a bunch of structure and so on. And uh, so, so we're talking about a variety of types of message that a organization commonly sends back and forth to people.
1: Exactly. So another uh, use case in that, in that genre is um, the document revision. When two people are working together on a document and they don't want their work to be shared with the rest of their organization until they have buy-in from other people um, they'll they'll send document revisions back and forth um, maybe at great length Um, and most of these uh document revisions could just be plugged right into you know the uh, latest version of the of the document there was some local document repository and then a revision history built up so there isn't suddenly this you know long pile of attachments. There's one document in your local you know M M&M repository.
0: Hmm. Sounds v- vaguely blockchainy, although I hate to, to break that, that up. But but in, in in a in a way, in a way, you could you could stretch and make that comparison. But but there is, right, okay, there, so. there would be no mining involved. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're going to dive into the details as this conversation progresses, Liam. But but first. I mean, what what drove you to build this? Because an obvious argument here is there are things that do a lot of what you said in some way or another, not under a unified protocol, but there are different things that accomplish much of what you've just cited as use cases.
1: So, yeah, so the IT world, our information technology world at this moment is in this insane situation where we have a cybercrime epidemic, a Mm cybercrime crisis, which is generating something like a... A trillion dollars in losses in 2020. Um, It's not just ransomware, it's um, exfiltrating um, confidential information, it's um, long term industrial espionage um, by domestic actors, foreign actors. Um, The cybercrime crisis is like one of the biggest problems facing the world at this point. It's right up there with climate change. It's not reported that way, unfortunately, but it's a bad, bad situation and getting worse fast. And the simple fact is that email infrastructure totally facilitates it. You almost couldn't have designed a better uh, IT system to promote cybercrime. So how does email factor in? Well, the best way to practice I, um, uh, a cyber attack, or the best way to execute a cyber attack is to use some social engineering. Social engineering is getting someone um, to believe that you're someone you're not and getting that other person to do something in your, on your behalf.
0: Calling up the front so, desk, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Bob in IT and uh, could, you, could you give me your password? I'm trying to fix the thing that your boss asked me to, you know, and you hope that you can get them to go along with your scheme and, and reveal information to you that they shouldn't so that they can begin exactly. to, to break in, yeah.
1: What you've just described is a phishing attack by phone. Hmm. And phishing attacks are the classic uh, social engineering that happens by email. They're not the only uh, type of cyber attack or only type of social engineering attack by any means. The Central Bank of Bangladesh uh, was uh, attacked um, probably by North Korean um, attackers who, who were after, s- who um, submitted transactions uh, to the tune of, uh, sequence of transactions to the tune of uh, nearly a billion dollars. Um, transaction requests that would be sent to the New York Fed asking the New York Fed to transfer data from uh, the uh, Bangladeshi bank's central bank's account to banks in the Philippines. And a bunch of these got stopped for reasons completely unrelated um, to the attack itself, but a bunch of them succeeded. So this attack was initiated by, by email. Someone sent a, a resume with a, with a link to a um, malware site. There's a whole long separate show about the the cybercrime crisis, but email is a major fundamental uh, player in that situation. So meanwhile, we've had a massive investment in web applications, uh, which don't actually provide the core benefits uh, of email in in many ways. We've had a huge um, influx of human energy into uh, the blockchain world, where ironically, one of the key revenue sources is currently ransomware. And... Although person-to-person communications is, is the soul of, of many organizations, no one is out there trying to fix our email infrastructure. Like, rethink, like, what is it we need to do with email? And how are we going to do that, given the world that we live in? Email was, was absolutely not designed for the Internet of today. It was designed for a relatively small um, Internet where basically all of the participants were uh, researchers, Academics and engineers who were building the internet or communicating about about <laughs> academic issues,
0: and, and there was an and there was a bit of trust there. That is, people kind of knew who the other one was. Open SMTP relays were common. I mean, it used to be fun twenty five years ago just to go bopping around, seeing if you can find an open relay to send your mail through, just because you could, uh, kind of thing. And in fact, as a consultant back in that time frame, I spent a good bit of time. Securing uh, SMTP servers to no longer be open relays because that was the default. Because the world was, right. as you said, right. it, but kind of a small, more or less trusted kind of world.
1: We graduated from the this internet of, of hobbyists, and enthusiasts, and engineers and researchers into a mass market medium without rethinking how this infrastructure works for the, the mass market environment. Um, like that rethinking has still not happening in a lot of a lot of places and energy is being poured into these systems that into these ideas that aren't actually trying to fix it it's it's uh, it's a scandal if you ask me
0: well it's kind of like um ethernet and ip they are the foregone conclusions of the medium across which you are going to uh, communicate um ethernet's not (laughs) we're using it in ways that was not envisioned early on and ip is sort of the same but it's it's so entrenched it's very difficult to displace well liam let's let's dive into what some more detail about what you build let's start with the architecture so let's say i'm interested in tmtp as um, a messaging protocol that i want to use within my organization what is the architecture if i want to stand on my own tmtp implementation so we're talking things like servers clients authentication schemes give us the the high level
1: okay so there's a server, so you download and install the server, um, you could set it up inside of a um, system D unit, um, the server will need a TLS a certificate um, that can be self signed, or you can use a, a normally third party signed uh, certificate. And then typically you need to enable third party authentication uh, via today, you can do that via open ID connect, but there will be other authentication um, systems SaSO, for instance, that MM will support Then your users download and and run their clients, since it's a client-server system. You have user end-user client, just like a browser, and Mm -hmm. the relay server that relays messages between clients. The clients, uh, in the PC case, um, the the UI runs in a browser tab. Uh, There will be a a dedicated uh, UI client uh, on the phone at at some point. Um, So today, today, it supports the PC platforms. Um, and then uh, users add accounts using the address of your site. Um, and then they make up a personal name or, or alias. Um, and adding an account on a site is basically like adding a folder. What is the, what is the site address? What is your name? What do you wanna call this site? You're done.
0: Well, let's review some of this because there's some, there's some things I'm uh, inferring that may or may not be what you, what you imply. So there's a server. Let's start there. This server is running, I'm assuming the TMTP protocol. It's got a a, a listener so it can accept inbound messages from other TMTP servers, something like that.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And, Um, And the opposite also send them. Yes and you said there's a tls cert um so the tls cert would be used to for authentication and then i assume there's also an encryption layer
1: so the tls uh is there for uh, authentication of the server to the client and mm-hmm. for encryption there is plans to do end-to-end encryption but let me just let me just back up a little bit so yes the tmtp protocol is roughly equivalent to a websocket protocol In that, you're always connected. In SMTP, you don't stay connected to the server. No, right. Um, You just send a message, send a message, send a message, and disconnect each time. So, TMTP is a two-way protocol. So, I'm sending messages on on this connection and receiving them. So, I'm staying connected. Hmm. Now, in the case of phones, you do some magic so that that's not always necessary, which is something that JMAP worked out. We can go into more detail if people are interested. But yeah,
0: so, our
1: client makes a connection. We have a client and a server. We, We make a connection. We keep that connection up. And that connection is two-way.
0: So the client is also speaking TMTP. That is, there's not, like with SMTP, SMTP is just to get the messages back and forth. The message, once it's received, gets popped into a mailbox and the client retrieves it with, back in the day, it would have been pop, modern, it's probably IMAP or some kind of a web protocol that's going to get that message out of the mailbox. In what you're describing is, TMTP is used by the client to talk to well, what are they talking to? Is it a mailbox as such?
1: I need to describe the, the high-level architecture.
0: Okay, okay, sure. SMTP is a
1: federated protocol. So I have an account um, at Gmail, and I want to send to your account at Yahoo. So um, the Gmail host contacts Yahoo and says, hey, I have a message for you at the, uh, for this user at, at your site. Please accept. And Yahoo says, okay, and the message is transferred. In TMTP, it's a members-only setup. So we all have accounts on this site. We know who is running that site because you know, they've authorized us to join it. And we know that all of the uh, names, all, all the users uh, on that site have been vetted or authenticated um, by that site. Um, and we also know that uh, all of the aliases that those users have created in order to be accessible um, have been approved at some level by the site, either in an automatic way or on a, on a on a case by case basis.
0: So this this is reminiscent back in the day Liam like I used to run Novell GroupWise servers and early Microsoft Exchange servers where connectivity to the internet was not a given. That was done via some external gateway to but but the mail system was internal. It was supported by whatever your directory service maybe was or something like that and you were messaging primarily internally to to folks and right so you had a a baked in level of trust there. That was happening, and 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 again, communication with the internet was not a given. So you're describing more that kind of a of a paradigm for TMTP and standing up a server.
1: Yes. So the clients uh, would have accounts on multiple different servers, typically. So to make a um, use case, my company needs uh, internal communications for all all the employees, or all the employees and all of the um, known customers. So we set up a site for our internal use as a company. And then in order for me to communicate um, with other organizations, I might join a a site which is a uh, third-party association. So the American Medical Association, the uh, Bar Association, um, these uh, organizations define a membership um, and let people authenticate in order to, to join. So now I, as a user, have two accounts, one on this org- a professional association site and one on my internal you know, company site. So uh, messages are relayed only between members, separate groups of members on each of those sites. Does that make sense?
0: It's a permit model. I'm not gonna talk to you unless I know who you are. We set up some kind of a specific arrangement. We know who the other one is. And now we are allowed because we've agreed we're 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 allowing messages to flow uh between our tmtp servers
1: right we're, we're allowing messages to flow across a particular tmtp server to uh, a client of an approved user
0: got it very yeah very very regimented yeah it's a, it's a, again it's a permit model yeah
1: right so messages don't flow from one tmtp server to another they only flow through flow through one server to its clients However, you, it's federated, uh, if you will. It's federated at the client level, where the client can have multiple concurrent connections to many different accounts on many different sites.
0: I see. Okay.
1: Here's where we really need a visual aid.
0: Right. <laughs> 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 well, it feels, um, uh, although it's a different messaging paradigm, it feels a bit Slack-like. I can have. Actually, it's 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 better than that in a way. I mean, my Slack client can talk to a bunch of different Slack groups, but I'm actually logged into each Slack server instance separately. It's just like the client gives a kind of a unified uh, feel to it. It does sound like you're talking about a unified ID here.
1: Yes, it is. I haven't used that select directly, so I I can't um, I can't compare it um, in detail. But um, what you just described described is very much like what we do, except CMTP is a protocol which um, sites that you have no um, association uh, with um, can be running. the the benefits of a um, SMTP clearly demonstrates the benefits of of having a protocol.
0: Okay. Where do the messages live? Do they live on the server? So if I have like an M and M client on my phone and I'm also accessing via the browser, do I see the same message database? In an
1: email case, um, for instance, with an IMAP client, um, the, all the messages that you receive stay on the IMAP server. Right. It's not acceptable to do that by, by default. In all cases, um, you want a situation where you have purely store and forward of messages. However, um, you need to be able to access messages, your message collection from uh, multiple different clients. So you want to be able to sync messages. Mm servers don't store delivered messages. Um, a store and store and forward means that um uh, once a message is delivered, it's it's dropped from the server.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but since you'll need to have access to your message repository from multiple clients, um, the solution is to um, synchronize uh, the clients. So, um, and so you'll have multiple devices. You might have, have a virtual device, which is actually in the cloud as well, like a, a Gmail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in order to, to set up the synchronization, um, you create a replica. You uh, grab one device and uh, grab a new device and set it put it next to in the same network with your original device. um, And you ask uh, one to create a replica on the other. uh, And then the data is copied over uh, via the local area network.
0: Um, Yeah. Okay. That feels like that's what I think is happening with signal actually. That's an end to end encrypted platform. And if you want to get your messages on, on a new device that you've set up, there's a whole copy uh, process that happens over, um, uh, I believe it happens over Bluetooth. Once you scan a uh, scan a QR code, although I don't know all the background of Signal, so if someone's listening to this and goes, Banks, that's not how Signal works. I mean, fine, <laughs> but it's it, it's similar. It's similar to what Liam's saying, at least in uh, functionality, if not on the back end of how it's going. So, yeah, okay. so it's a, it's
1: a local local peer to peer replica.
0: Yeah, um, and um, and
1: and then from that point on, there are uh, two. There's as any number of uh, client nodes listed in the server, and whenever the server gets a message for an account it makes a copy for each node. um, And then when the message has been delivered to all nodes, it's released from from the server. Now you could set up an archiving service next to or far away from your TMTP server and ask your TMTP server, this is not implemented yet or designed yet, but the, the idea is that the TMTP server could encrypt and send all of traffic for a particular account or a group of accounts or in the entire server to an archiving service, which would receive the encrypted data and store it in a, in a write-once kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there would be a separate decryption key, obviously, when, when you need to go look at, at the archive. Um, so that's for archiving purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's separate from uh, users have access to, um, to everything from, from anywhere. So it's, it's not the classic web, web model. I hope that is it is clear to everybody about, about the, the model. <laughs> it's, of, it's, it's clear that enough. Again, you're you're
0: emphasizing privacy. You're emphasizing, um, that only people you trust and know within an organization are going to be able to communicate with others. And then only organizations that are known to one another and have set up a particular relationship are going to be able to communicate with one another via this methodology. Uh, we are not storing messages on the server. And so if I need to add a second or tertiary client that I wish to monitor that mail to the initial setup, is going to be a replica that I'm going to now both sides are equal and the server is going to know, Hey, there's multiple clients here that pull this mailbox. Don't wipe the message from the server until all the nodes have got the message. Uh, I think, I think I got the basics there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Leon, I want to drill into the connecting to another organization process a bit more. Um, You've said there's basically an agreement set up and then uh, the two organizations can chat um, and it's identified at the client level that it can hit another TMTP server to retrieve messages, uh, how I think I understood it. But let me just back up a a bit and then uh, walk us through that process of connecting to another organization using TMTP.
1: Right, so there's, uh, there's two ways that people are typically gonna do this. One of the defining requirements here is to make uh, TMTP easily adoptable uh, at different tiers uh, of use. So first internally and then business to business and then later down the road, business to consumer. Um, so uh, we've described um, how people would use it internally. Um, so now we're talking about the, the business to business uh, a link when and when multiple organizations are that are that have some kind of relationship are using this internally, then they might want to start talking to each other. So how would they do that? Um, so there's there's two ways: um, third party associations, which I mentioned uh, a little bit before, how you had a professional organizations where all the companies or all the people in a particular profession or field um, belong to an association, and the other is. Um, uh direct customer accounts. So when I want my employees to be able to talk to my customers, um, I would set up a TMTP customer site or I might, if it's a small number of customers, um, I might um, just add these customers to my uh, internal employee uh, site. So either way, um, I have this um, server set up on a publicly accessible site now because customers are obviously outside of my of my network and I circulate the address of this public site to those customers, um, and they then authenticate themselves um, through uh, OpenID Connect or or other uh, mechanisms, and then can then add accounts um, for their employees on on my company's CMTP server. Um, Now, as I mentioned before, um, every account comes with an alias, the person makes up an alias, and that, that, that alias gets approved in, in an automated or, or manual way um, by the TMTP site. Um, and users interact with each other through uh, these aliases, which are typically real names. So my alias is going to be BM and Breck, um, not some funny word with no spaces, not, not some funny handle, which is, which is easy to, to fake or easy to spoof rather. Um, so then my customers want to talk to my employees. Um, the employees uh, are publishing, uh, the employees that handle customers are publishing the names of their aliases on some you know, customer resource site. Um, the customers then issue uh, invites to those employees. Hey, I'd like to talk about you know, uh, this topic or hey, I'm a new customer. I'd like to be able to communicate with you guys here. Um, so the employee receives an invitation. They can see from the alias that, that this person is a customer. Um, they accept the invitation and um, then either side can then send a thread to the other. Typically the employee who received the invite would send, start a thread with that customer saying, "You know, welcome, we were glad to have you as a customer. We see that you recently purchased XYZ. Um, I'll be your account representative. Uh, let me know if you have any technical support. Uh, or other issues. If you wanna talk to our uh, our, like 24 hour team, here's their alias, blah, blah, blah. Um, So now I have a closed network of employees and customers. Um, It's easy for me to to throw any of those customers um, off uh, of the network should that be uh, be necessary. They cannot then continue messaging my employees. Maybe more importantly, um, If those customers wish to resign from my TMTP site, they can do that and they'll never receive anything from any of my uh, people via that site ever again.
0: So direct customer accounts, if I could draw a parallel, it feels like if I want to do a, a B2B IPsec tunnel, I exchange some amount of information with whoever I'm connecting to and we stand up that tunnel and build a routing policy and we can exchange packets across that tunnel. It's a very manual process. There's authentication that goes along with it and so on uh, direct customer uh, accounts. So sor- sort of like that. I'm drawing parallels here with things. Uh, our audience has probably done before.
1: Third yes. That's a, associ- a pretty good analogy.
0: Okay. Third party associations feels like. Uh, Those
1: are meeting places. Yeah. It, um, basically it, it, we have a, we have a trade association. I'm not directly, I don't have direct relationships with all of the people in my field, either as an individual or as a company. Um, there's, huge number of trade associations and professional organizations specifically to help members connect with each other. These uh, associations all um, require that their members be, you know, be parts of that field. So they are uh, meeting grounds where you can pretty much trust that the, the person um, is coming from is coming from the org where they where they claim to be from.
0: Well, in that architecture, um, is there another server that's in that's like a common server where everyone would uh, that's in this association would connect to that server, and then that server is sort of a relay or a proxy that is, uh, uh, you know, the common point where everyone connects to, sort sort of like an internet exchange point. An
1: association site is not um, a relay between um, sites. Mm -hmm. It's a relay between accounts, just like um, your internal company's uh, site, the TMTP site, is a relay between accounts, between employees. In this case, um, it's a relay, uh, the third party association site is a relay between members of the association.
0: Closer to a directory service?
1: Yes, like a directory service. Excellent. Got it. Okay. Um, Good analogy. Um, So we know that everybody... That belongs to that directory service or that association is who they say they are, or we at least have a level of trust based on what association is what the, what the specific association is. We may know that this association requires extensive verification of each individual, and this other association um, is you know maybe uh, semi-public. Um, so in the case of a semi-public one, you're not going to assume that, uh, that those people um, are who they say they are unless um, they can give me, you know, access to um, some more proof or an account on, you know, uh, an actual site that's authenticated with uh, TLS for their organization.
0: Hmm. So let, let's shift from what's happening on the back end, how messages are moved around and retrieved, and how we're authenticating users and so on, to what the user experiences is now we're all used to email clients we've all been using imap um for a long time we know what that experience is and we lean hard into our clients to make the experience tolerable for dealing with email so when i'm consuming messages via mnm what what is that like what am i dealing with
1: so um so you yeah you posed a question about user experience um and um I realized early on that a protocol that provides uh, safety or trust uh, is just not enough. Um, in order to get users enthusiastic about what you're doing, you have to provide some major benefits for them. So I try to make a list like, okay, so correspondence is communication. What are we trying to do in communication? Um, and if you look at the web, well, we have all these different modes uh, of communication com- including you know, completely interactive custom websites and the, the communication bandwidth on such a website is just incredible. It's it, really easy to, to make yourself understood. Well, you, you can't expect people to ship custom programs in email messages. That's you know, security risk, obviously. But So what are the, what are the basics uh, of the web experience that we could import to, uh, to email messages or to M&M messages? Hmm. Um, so one of the fundamental basics is filling out a form. I want to send you a form because I need the specific information for you. And people do this in email, like all the time, but not with a structured form, just with a list of questions. I I need this list of information um, from you. Um, And then when that, when you respond, I want to see all of the responses in a table. I want to be able to, you know, massage or process or export Mm -hmm. um, that that collection of data. Um, So forms and surveys is is a really big one. Another uh, one is uh, the slide deck. People commonly email each other slide decks. And one mm-hmm. of the advantages of a slide deck, although people, many people hate it, but one of the advantages is the first thing you see a slide deck is just a, you know, a handful of text, just a little bit of text, some, some bullet points maybe. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. So you go to the next slide. If the, the slide deck ha- has 100 slides, you don't see that up front. If, if your email message had all of that content, you know, in a, in a stream, y- your recipient immediately sees, oh gosh, I don't have time to read this right now, or, or this is too much right now, I'll come back to this. And then maybe they never get back to it. But if you send a slide back, um, you can get people to like pull themselves along through your content. Um, anyway, so not everybody will do that, but you wanna be able to, to format your, uh, your message as a set of slides or, or a set of tabs. Um, another huge missing uh, feature in email is the hyperlink, like how do I hyperlink to a previous thread? How do I hyperlink to a previous message in this thread? And then there, there's uh, features like, well, how do you format a message and what's our UI layout to, to be productive? And well, I chose Markdown for um, the formatting because like, if anyone's tried to do like, rich HTML formatting um, in Gmail, it gets messy quickly. Um, and then on the UI, on the, with respect to the UI layout, I tried to think about like, okay, so where is your visual attention gonna be most of the time? Um, and where are notif- notifications gonna be appearing? And can we separate those so that you won't be like automatically immediately distracted by every <laughs> notification that comes down? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it happens to be that um, when you're reading left to right text, your, your eyes are mostly on the left edge of, uh, of that column. So if you put that column um, on the left edge of the screen, there's nothing farther over to the left to distract you. Anyway, I'm maybe getting too detailed, but there's a whole bunch of a, a long list of, of other uh, productivity uh, features. How do I add a recipient to a long, you know, multi-party thread? How do I drop out of uh, of a, a thread that I'm no longer interested in? Um, and then um, stuff like. Well, I can I can put an image in line. What about a chart or a graph based on uh, you know a collection of data?
0: So, a, a couple of comments here from what you've described so far. And on the one hand, it feels like this is not just uh, a client for consuming email, right? This, this is a client for consuming a variety of different message format types. You've mentioned forms and slides and you know hyperlinked documents and. And so on. We can compose using Markdown, but it's very rich in functionality. Going back to the earlier part of our conversation, based on whatever message type uh, TMTP happens to support uh, over time. So a little, little bit of uh, Lotus exactly. Notes from back in the day. I don't know if you were ever uh, Lotus Notes admin or consumer, but uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of that. Is that uh, uh, at all I valid have. comparison?
1: I have been told by a longtime Notes user um, that, um, who, who has used M&M, um that it has a Lotus notes feel in a good sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he and I proceeded to talk about uh, other you know things we could add to, add to that to, to make it even richer. But um, MM, the user experience, is about communication and the different dimensions of communication, um, both structured and freeform. Um, because that's what people need to do with email. And that's what they're trying to do today by sending attachments around yeah. um, and by, you know, investing energy uh, in, in these websites. Now, I mentioned, you know, how earlier how um, web apps don't meet the core needs of email. And that's because Knowledge workers. We're talking about you know a billion users around the world here. The the, the people at the heart of virtually every organization. Knowledge workers work in an environment environments with office politics. It's just inevitable. This comes from evolution. People form factions. Factions compete. Hopefully, it doesn't become dysfunctional. But but oftentimes it does, and for that, that reason, people will often like do things, uh, do their communications, or their planning, their collaboration, their their authoring. Uh, person to person, until the two of them or, or a handful of them are confident that what they've, what they've accumulated will pass muster um, with people whose buy-in they will need in order to move it to the next level. And when you're doing this in a web context, you're putting this content into a public repository. Now, not all of the repositories in a particular web environment, Cello or whatever, need, need to be like accessible to everybody in the organization. But that's the sense that these are organizationally owned and monitored and managed spaces. Slack often, um, often gets criticism because managers can read uh, direct messages. And so it's assumed that managers will commonly read direct messages. Who knows if that's true? And it probably varies by organization. But one of the core benefits that makes email continually ne- necessary within and between organizations today is this person to person, private, structured, in some cases, communication.
0: So email overload is a big challenge that we all face, a lot of you know, garbage coming in. Does m M&M, and from your perspective, add to or help, or help with email overloads? Is it going to make my life easier, I guess, is, is the question at the end of the day.
1: Well, I guess I guess you could say, like, based on all these features, that we're going to have like a increasingly flood of messages because hey, there's all these new forms of communication I can do. But um, hopefully, that's not the case. Um, the um, the support for structured messages that I, that I've been talking about for for specific um, kinds of use cases um, like task requests or or, or passing document revisions um, means that a lot of messages um, can now be processed in an automatic way, like. We get a task request, it just gets added to your task list. When you're ready to go look at your task list, you see that you have these new tasks. Um, when we could have a flood of document revisions uh, come in, hundreds of document revisions from, from three different people over the course of a day. Um, you wouldn't look at messages ab- about, specific messages about any of those until you are ready to go look at the document again. You might actually tell the other, your other teammates, like, I'm gonna be going and looking at this at five o'clock today. Um, So, you know, and they'll finish, they'll stop revising at five o'clock and then all of their revisions, um, don't appear to you as a message that appears to you as as a new document. Okay. So go diff the document and find out what happened.
0: 40 odd minutes into our conversation. And it's hitting me that this is, this is not about email as such. It is, this is about efficient communications in a way that's like, it reminds me of, of just a variety of different products that, that I've used over the year that, that have come and gone over time and emails being the only thing that's left awful as it is. Um, this is about a, a communications medium that allows you to move, it's like the common, the meeting place for, for structured messages to interact with different systems within your organization. And again, it feels like things that have, been, that have been tried before, Liam, and again, have come and gone, but nothing's actually landed and stuck. Um, so the, your vision here is so much bigger than just email sucks and let's do better. Yeah, that's part of it. But, but you've got this much broader scope to what you've built here.
1: Yes. And now, I, I should say that um, the scope that I've described uh, is not all implemented. Mm-hmm. Um that this will be an iterative process to figure out which of these things are most important and which of these things we should defer because you don't want to saturate your audience. Um, but, but yes, you're right, it, it, it is a medium. Um, and the reason why I think these things that have come and gone that have not fixed this space is precisely the reason that I, that I just gave. We have office politics. These other things were based on the web. The web is a wonderful medium. But the benefits of the web are not available within email, and email has this uh, fundamental uh, value, which is that it's privately person to person. Um, Private communications are deeply essential, Um, and the web does not give you any kind of sense of private communications. The web is fundamentally a broadcast medium, whether you're broadcasting your team, your organization, or the world. Um, The web is a wonderful broadcast medium. Email is fundamentally uh, a conversation, a correspondence medium. Um, conversation and correspondence is absolutely fundamental to the process that, that then later becomes broadcasting or, or product development or, or whatever. Um, so my, my thesis is that the reason why email still uh, is so, persists so robustly is that this person-to-person private communication mode um, it's, just, it's basically hardwired into humanity. Uh, I go and have a private conversation with you, you know, uh, in the hallway, walking to and from lunch um, about stuff that I expect won't go beyond, you know, our ears ever. Uh, people do that like all day long everywhere. Well, they, private-
0: I, I don't disagree with that, but, but I think there's also an aspect of ubiquity. Everybody's got an email address and just... You know, force of habit. We've all been using email since we were on Delphi and AOL and whatever the closed systems were back in the very early days of the consumer beginning to dial up and get on the internet to exchange messages. And when that turned into, and now we can gateway our CompuServe addresses, when those became public things and so on, it just became the, the commonplace, common denominator that we all just got used to. And then it's, you have not just any email address, but like I've got, I think six, I monitor for various things because of various uh, companies and businesses I run and, you know, and so on. Uh, So there's that, there's the private communication presumption and having a a one-to-one conversation. Yes, I do agree with that. But then there's also just the, how widespread it is where it feels like everybody's got it and you've got to have it. And, know and so on
1: yeah so my answer to that is twofold um if if email had a um, indestructible network effect then all of these diverse messaging and discussion apps that have had quite a bit of success you know slack and telegram signal wouldn't have gotten the adoption the incredible success that they have um if email was was good enough so we keep seeing new um, communication uh, media or new communication tools uh, come along and be successful. Um, so I, I don't think there's any reason why a new communication tool, uh, m M&M, and that starts out as uh, internal to your company, where we only need to make a decision about it within our team, within our department, I don't see why that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be successful if it delivers value to those folks. And the other side of it is that we have this uh, like unbelievable cybercrime crisis. Um, Cybercriminals are specifically targeting knowledge workers. You know the the people who are running these all of our organizations to to get them to you know give away information that leads to breaches and 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 huge ransomwares, uh, uh, huge ransoms for end attacks. So um, it's a it's a good moment to be trying to update that um, private person-to-person communication environment within an organization, because um, the, the the great vulnerability within organizations um, is to messages that come from outside that appear to come from people inside people just, you know, I I can make an account. Your, your, your CEO's name is Bob Barker. Okay. Um, I can make an account on, on Google with any, um, (laughs) with any username and and call myself bob barker i can even call myself bob barker ceo of you know of abc corp um and i send it to, to you um you know somebody who i don't know intimately you're in a um you're a few levels down from me and i can say you know hey ethan like we have this urgent uh urgent issue can you do such and such and your immediate instinct is to jump to attention and do and it because <laughs> maybe you get fired if you you know maybe bob barker is known for barking <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> uh. I mean, you know fear like motivates people to do stupid things and we have an email system that facilitates that it just out and out facilitates it
0: so with tmtp and and m M&M, and these are not closed they are open open source or, or where are they to give us an explanation for that
1: um, so uh, the the TMTB protocol will eventually be standardized. I hope um, it will have to be to be a success. Standardized um, like
0: a, like IETF RFCs goes through the draft and then the standards or, process or W three
1: C or something. Yeah,
0: someone. Okay. Yeah. So th- there will eventually be a, a TMTP standard. So Liam, let's talk about where the code is at. Is it all open source? Can I see the source? Can I contribute, submit pull requests, that kind of thing? And I guess, I guess I need to ask it in a couple of ways. You know, we've got TMTP as the protocol, and we've got MNM as the client that, you, that you've made available on a few different platforms.
1: Right, so um, all the source code is uh, open source under the Mozilla public license is a relatively permissive uh, open source license all of uh, all of the repositories are on github as you would expect mm-hmm. um there's uh two specific repositories one for the client and uh one for um the server
0: and if i scroll up to um, github and search for mnm or tmtp am i going to find the repo um yes you would okay. i welcome uh, contributors um to
1: to the project uh, i would appreciate it if people would uh, would it open an issue or or uh, make a comment on an existing um, issue about any plans they might have for, for a new
0: uh, pull request. And what is the source code written in? Both the client and server are written in Go. Okay, Go. You, you're one of the cool kids, Liam. Very good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have a lot of things to say about Go, which we will not go
0: into in this
1: discussion.
0: <laughs> oh, so you have some, some negative things to say about Go. Okay. I didn't say negative things. I said I have a lot of things to say, which, is,
1: <laughs> which is very true. I have a lot of things to say. So.
0: <laughs> and Liam. So it's, uh, and the, um, the
1: the UI is written in um, in uh, in JavaScript and Vue.js because the the on the on the PC the UI runs in a browser. Sure. Sure. I love I love VGS. It's great. Okay.
0: And, and how do people reach out to you? Are you only, do they have to have a TMTP server to talk to you, Liam, or are you, or are you more publicly accessible than that? <laughs> well,
1: um, if you had a TMTP server, you wouldn't be able to talk to me unless you invited me to join your, your TMTP <laughs> of course, server. Of course. So, um, the, um, uh, the, the website is at, um, I, I need to change this URL probably, but the website is at MNM not mail, dot org. So that's Mary Nancy Mary not mail, N-O-T-M-A-I-L, dot org. Um, and if you, if you just go to Google and type in uh, m M&M um, yeah, or yeah. MM email or TMTP right. email, it will pop up in the, in the first couple of results. So maybe that's the easier way to find it.
0: And do you have a plain old boring <laughs> email address that's accessible by SMTP or a Twitter handle or anything like that where people could find you? Well, there's no way I'm giving out my
1: SMTP address, although I do have some. Um, on Twitter, you can find me uh, at m M&M uh spelled the same way as uh, as, the, um, as the website I just gave you. Um, I'm I'm happy to DMs are open on Twitter. Happy to get messages that way. I'm also happy to get um, uh, questions uh, in issues or comments uh, on the GitHub issue tracker for either the mnm server. Uh, questions about the protocol can go uh, in on the mnm server issue tracker. Um, or on the MM client issue tracker for issues about user experience.
0: Sounds great. Uh, sounds great, Liam. Thanks for taking the time today to discuss your product, uh, your projects, and, uh, and, and the vision here. You're trying to do some fundamental changing of what's going on, and that's um, you've undertaken a, a mighty task from that perspective, for sure. Thanks to you that are out there for listening. Um, if you got value from this episode, but you want even more We do have a Slack group at PacketPushers.net slash Slack. That is free. You'll be joining over 1,900 IT engineers, networking and cloud nerds especially that are the world over. And again, that's PacketPushers.net slash Slack. And uh, check out the jobs channel when you're in there. There's opportunities posted if you're looking for a career change or maybe you're trying to hire somebody. A lot of people there that uh, monitor that channel. It's a good resource for you. And again, it's absolutely free. And if another Slack group, you're just like, I just, Ethan, I just can't. find. Uh, try their free newsletter, packetpushers.net slash newsletter. Human Infrastructure Magazine is what we call it. We send it out weekly. It makes you a better engineer by sharing good stuff about career, performing complex technical tasks, IT news we think you might be affected by, and heavily curated quick takes on vendor announcements. I do mean heavily curated. And of course, the laughs. We've got some nerdy comics and other things that we put into that newsletter for you to give you a smile. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.